I guess many of us have been uh, really touched and affected deeply by recent things we've seen in the media concerning racism, uh, very sad, high-profile cases of uh, Armoured Armoury Arbery and uh, George Floyd, and, and there's been numbers of others, and seeing such injustice and such terribly sad things. And it, it's made me, as a, as a white person and as a white uh, church leader, want to sort of really try to reflect both personally and also try to think biblically of what's an appropriate um, response, what's an appropriate set of actions for us uh, in this situation. So I, I always find that when there are difficult, demanding things that we need to look at, that it's good to go back to the scriptures and to put a, a like a plumb line up and, and say, what do the scriptures teach us? How, how can the, how do the scriptures in, um, instruct us how to proceed? And I thought I'd just look at Acts chapter 6, and we can learn some interesting things from Acts chapter 6. Just the first seven verses, and it says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution that was of food. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brother, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, uh, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Procurus, and Nicanor and Timon, and Parmenius and Nicholas, a proselyte, a proselyte of Antioch. Proselyte, should I say? Get the right word. Proselyte of Antioch. And they set before these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now just to look at that uh, uh, passage what really strikes me there is that actually there's an indication here of what we might call systemic racism beginning to just gather momentum even in the early church. Isn't that extraordinary? And we can see, think to ourselves, well, the early church had everything right and uh, God was moving powerfully and uh, the, the early church was like a model that we hold up of what we're aspiring to. And whilst that's true in many ways, I think it does sober us to realise that the church is always like a building under construction. It's always like something that God is maturing and unifying and sanctifying and, and changing. And there's always work in progress until Jesus returns and the building is complete, this this dwelling place of God is, is made ready for him. One of the images uh, we find in the Bible is, is of Jesus being the builder, the architect of, of a building where God's presence dwells. And it's the church, it's the people. And we're always under construction. We're always work in progress. And here there was something wrong that uh, the leaders had missed it. These are godly men who who were leading well and really believed in one new humanity in Christ. They wouldn't have wanted for any minute to be racist at all. But something had happened practically that just disadvantaged a certain group of people so that the Jewish people were being favoured 
against the Gentiles, the Hellenists. And the Hellenists were in a minority. If you think the, the church had come out of a Jewish root, you've got Peter present there, you've got a big heritage of Jewish culture, and it was dominating the culture of the early church. And so the minority was, was feeling, feeling that they were being overlooked and not getting a fair uh, treatment in, in the church. And a complaint arose. So it's not like one complaint. You know, it's not like if you I don't know, go to a shop and something's faulty and you take it back and have a complaint. That's just like one complaint. No, this was a complaint that arose. This was a general feeling that gradually over time built and built and built. And it said uh, a complaint arose uh, uh, amongst them by the Hellenists. So this was a, a collective feeling. Now, it may not be that everybody felt exactly the same. Different people would have had different instances of it. And the same is true now when we think of racism, even in the West, in the UK or the USA. And I'm particularly thinking about the church. Um, I, I'm sure that many people have got different experiences. And, I, 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 and in society, there'll be different experiences that Christians will be able to reflect on. But nevertheless, there was a growing thing that happened uh, and it was making this people group feel this just isn't fair. So it's important we realise just, be, uh, just because God is moving strongly in a situation as he was here doesn't mean everything is right. There's things that God sometimes looks at even when he's moving and says that, that really needs to be addressed. It was a blind spot that needed addressing. So what did they do well this is this is really quite interesting how they approached it and i've been thinking goodness how do we approach this situation well the first thing was they acknowledged it they took it seriously this complaint reached the the ears of the leaders they took it seriously and they listened they listened to it because they were able to articulate it in the passage here it says what the complaint was they listened to it they they listened collectively and um it, it's they then went through a process of not just saying oh yes we acknowledge that we're very sorry let's move on they no they no let's do something about this so they selected a number of people the majority of which were representing actually the minority group they were gentiles the majority of the people that were picked and they gave the responsibility to these seven men as it were here to look at the situation, to dialogue, to really adjust not only the thinking, but the not only the practices, but the thinking. It was a cultural change that was needed with some practical applications. And both things, I think, are necessary. There's a listening, there's cultural adjustment through involvement of different cultures talking together, listening to one another, planning ahead, and then there's practical steps that were taken so that the thing was sorted out. And, and what's important also is it says what they said about picking uh, seven men pleased the whole gathering. So everybody, all cultures, all people groups that were involved in this and were on either side of, you know, some who were mistreated, those who were saying, uh, who were feeling, oh goodness, what have we done? Uh, all, everybody was involved and they were all pleased with the suggestion. They thought, no, this will help us as a, as a church. This will help us make some progress. He said the, the suggestion pleased them all. And um, they uh, then came up with the, 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 the different uh, suggestion. And uh, as they processed it, it says the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. So they obviously sorted it. 
They got it um, rectified and they planned their way out of it and worked their way out of it. So it's important that we understand here that resolving cultural, what you might call disagreements or complaints or issues of mistreatment, and collectively, culturally, takes longer than an individual. If, if one individual has a complaint against another individual or feels some injustice, you can bring the two together and hopefully resolve it. When you've got lots of people involved, it has to become a longer journey involving a lot more people and involving listening to lots of feelings, processing it and making concrete action that over time resolves things. I always, I mean, I've been in church leadership now for 35 years or so. And in 2 Timothy 4 verse 5, there's a very, a very wise um, comment that, um, that Paul makes to Timothy. And he says uh, this, he says, uh, as for you, always be sober minded or keep your head in all situations is another translation. Always be sober minded. Keep your head in all situations. And I think when we're facing times that really are complex, a lot of emotion, a lot of pain, a lot of genuine, genuine things that are coming out and have got to be recognised, it's important that we really keep a clear head. We try to listen, we try to process, we try to really think, what's the mind of Christ in this? We empathise, we apologise, we, we then try to take, you know, right action. So we truly repent. Repent doesn't mean to just saying sorry, it means changing behaviour so that things don't happen again. And also we've got to recognise the Lord will help us in the same way. The Lord helped this early church. He helped them when they made the right adjustments. The Lord helped them. And I believe he will help us uh, as well. Um, now, what's also really important is, is how we address this really does speak to the world. Now, I've been watching, as I'm sure many of you have, lots of demonstrations and lots of, um, you know, very, very strong emotional um, pleas for change. Quite understandable, quite understandable, where people feel a lot of pain is coming out. But there's a, there's a way to process pain that, that leads to biblical and God-glorifying um, outcomes. And there's a way to process pain that doesn't. And there's a way to hear complaint that brings godly, godly outcomes and a way to hear complaint that doesn't. And, you know, I want to take responsibility as a white man and as a white leader, say, Lord, please help me to respond and to listen and to make adjustments and to really do what I can. Help me, Lord. Teach me. Help me. I genuinely want to, to get this right. And I know some of my, many of my uh, black brothers and sisters who, are, who have got genuine hurts and things that they're processing want to do the same. They're like, Lord, help us to get this right. Help us to do the godly thing in this. And, and it says in, in Hebrews 12, 14 to 15, it says, strive for peace with everyone. Look at that. Strive. Strive. Work at it. Work for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So there's a, there's a holiness in our behaviour. There's a peace in our hearts. It's got to come from another kingdom. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Right? No one. We don't want anyone to be missing the grace of God in all these things that are actually very painful. We need the grace of God to work through. And that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. Um, and by it, many become defiled. 
And none of those things are to minimise the terrible hardships and and pain and difficulty that many people have gone through. No, it's not to minimise that. It's to say, let's let the kingdom of God help all of us to have grace, holiness, peace, uh, forgiveness, uh, maturity, unity, producing something that's beautiful, this one new humanity in Christ, this city on a hill, the church, the city on a hill. There's an opportunity as well as a sadness here. There's an opportunity for us as a church to live in such a way that we speak to the world prophetically by the way we we process what's been going on and we say, right, these are the things we need to do going forward. So for myself, I just want to say uh, I'm committed to working with all my brothers and sisters, black, white, whatever ethnicity, whatever language, people group, we are all one new humanity in Christ whether male or female, whatever, it, we are, whatever ethnicity, we are one new humanity in Christ. That's what Jesus, he's, divide, he's destroyed the dividing wall, Jew from Gentile. We're now one in Christ. And, I, and it's the most beautiful thing when we see what God desires to do. The picture we see in Revelation of every tongue, tribe and nation around the throne, standing together, worshipping their one saviour. To have that sort of manifested on the earth as much as possible it takes a lot of effort it takes the same power that raised Jesus from the dead to bring that about in human society it's not a small matter but God who raised Jesus from the dead having done that will he not graciously give us all things he will he will help us navigate what the world has struggled to for centuries he will help us because he raised Christ from the dead and he's able to help us even with these things so I trust that will bless you, encourage you, and let's go on the journey together for a greater demonstration of one new humanity in Christ in the coming days. Bless you.